Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Just Bleed Radio. This is your host, Danger Mouse, and today we'll be reporting on the fights from last night at UFC 295 that took place at Madison Square Garden on Armistice Day, or as I believe you Americans call it, Veterans Day. Today is Remembrance Sunday, and I'd like to take this moment to thank our members of the armed forces and remember those who fell in the two world wars and indeed every conflict since. Thank you for your service and your sacrifice. As usual, I'm joined by my regular companions on the show, our editor, Super Dave Fairtex, who is a serving member of the military, and God damn it, Austin is here too. As well as a special guest, she of Jack Slack fame, our very own Lem. What an absolutely fantastic card from the UFC for their 30th anniversary. The location and the occasion really brought out the best from just about every fight and fighter. And as a result, I think we'll have a lot to cover on this show. So settle down, grab yourself a coffee or a beer, maybe a nice cup of tea, and let's get going. Now, as host, the only benefit I really get from this role is that I get to decide the running order of the show, what we're going to talk about. So I don't think it will be a huge surprise when I start with the co-main and Tom Aspinall beating Sergei Pavlovich in 1 minute 9 seconds of the first round. The fastest finisher in the UFC does it again in half his average fight time. A short but incredible performance by Tom, facing his self-admitted scariest opponent on just two and a half weeks notice and repeating the same feat as Michael Bisping did versus Luke Rockhold, albeit in a much friendlier and respectful fashion. The fight may have been short, but I still think there's a fair bit to talk about and I have a couple of questions for my co-hosts. So let's hear from our special guest, Lem. Your thoughts on the fight? I don't know if I have any thoughts on the fight, except I kind of thought that Tom would win. I think that's my only thought. (laughs) Well, that's a hell of a take you got there. (laughs) I have some more specific questions, so don't worry. Do you want to take over, Dave? Um... I thought it was a fun fight. Uh, it was very short. I actually thought it might go a little bit longer than that. Uh, Tom looked great. Uh, you know, in the preview show, I thought this was like a somewhat defensively sound fighter versus a not defensively sound fighter when they get in their flurries. And I think it ended up playing out like that. Uh, I was pretty surprised with just how fast Tom was. Like, his head movement was fast and was really good. Like, at the end of the fight, they showed uh, strikes landed, and it had uh, one strike for Sergey, and I yeah. thought it was fucked up. So I had to rewatch, and actually, he kind of like uh, slipped out of the way of pretty much all the other strikes. Like, might have grazed him a little bit, but like his head movement and defense was just like exceptional. And then uh, his hand speed, like, you know, he punched him in the chest, and then kind of caught him on the chin with the right hand. And then, like, as he started falling, he kind of cracked him with another one-two, like, similar to how uh, Connor did to Eddie Alvarez, except just two. But still, his speed and his uh, precision and all that was really impressive. Uh, Fun comparison you know, there, Yeah, I, I thought he was going to win. Uh, he won more impressively than I thought. Uh, I think the next fight, I mean, him and Jones is, like, that's the only fight I care about now. Like... And I, I, after that, watching his hand speed and all that, like, I don't know. He might be the best heavyweight in the world. He probably is the best heavyweight in the world. Yeah. And you, Austin? Yeah. So my, so my whole thing was um, I had no uh, expectations of Tom not looking 
great, but I had an issue of the short notice of the, uh, you know, the fight, more or less. Yeah, I, think, and, I think everybody was worried about that. Yeah, and I think that was my biggest thing. Otherwise, I was more confident that Tom was capable of, you know, staying calm and composed. I was surprised how calm and composed he was in the uh, the bout, because the minute he got clipped, he did not overreact. He assumed that he was going to get hit. He wasn't careless, and the minute he did get hit, he adjusted his uh, his distance immediately. Managed yeah. to find his target, find it clean, land clean, countered clean, and finished it. I, I it was just efficient how he uh, was able to just adjust everything the way he did. That I think that was the most surprising it, 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 thing I had. Sorry, it, it did say that he uh, couldn't get going straight away. Or yeah. he felt he couldn't. That, I mean, other than that, no. I mean, Sergey looked like typical Sergey, except <laughs> the minute Aspinall managed to find his range, he he just got clipped, and it was like we never seen him hurt quite like that. And no. that it was just surprising to see how quickly the minute he got clipped, Sergey just kind of was out almost um, on his feet immediately. Looking at Sergey's uh, history, he's never, I don't think, ever been hurt on the feet like that. Even when he fought Overeem, I don't think that was the case. And even then, it was because he was getting, you know, taken to the ground on a, you know, consistent basis. Aspinall basically just lined it up perfectly and knocked this one out of the park. Yeah, well, <laughs> that emotion that he showed was real, and I, I appreciated that because he's like, he's a young heavyweight. He's like, what, 30? 30, was, yeah. Yeah, he's 30 years old, young athlete who basically just showed up and did the damn thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very impressive performance. I mean, <laughs> the fun part is it was his honesty as well. You know, like, this guy's scary. He's the scariest bloke I've ever faced. And uh, just, but I'm just going to go in there and do it anyway. Uh, so I, I do like Tom. Always did. Have been a fan for uh, quite some time now. Um so can't wait to see his next uh, opponent will be. Uh, so, which, funnily enough, is the next question I had. What's what's next for him? Obviously, we'd love to see him fight John Jones, but that's not going to happen straight away. And Tom's not going to sit around and wait. So, who next in the heavyweight division? Um, well, if you if you want to think about it in a certain context, um, it's either going to be gone or it's going to be Volkov because those are you guys who just fought not too long ago both he, came out relatively healthy and i'm imagining he just he just beat volkov though didn't he i mean that was like a year ago year and a half uh, i think at this uh, point i guess so yeah and volkov's got four wins since then including a win oh. over tattoo ivasa so the question <laughs> i think would be availability similar to the situation at middleweight with uh Drakus duplessis and sean strickland the thing yeah. is they're going to look to have a contender fight relatively soon. I think those are the only two contenders that you can give because we're not looking at Blades coming back and fighting for the title anytime soon until he just gets a win. No. I I could see Tom calling him out, actually, almost. No, I wouldn't do it, mainly because that fight didn't have any, you know, merit uh, to the finish, right? It was um, uh, a leg kick that essentially both through or i think tom checked it was it was it tom that checked no, it? no i don't think he checked to kick at all did he but he just stepped it, back and they... yes okay no you're right so he yeah because he threw the kick and stepped back and then that's when his uh meniscus tore i think is what yeah. it was or it was his acl um in that case no 
unless uh unless blades gets a win there's no reason for him to call him out at least not now because he just beat the scariest man in the division who just knocked him out i think not too long ago either um aspinall uh, I'm, I'm sorry uh yeah, Sergey pavlovich over blades yeah and um realistically if i'm if i'm aspinall i probably look to take on gone uh, did you see the press conference at all where he was talking about that I did not, fortunately. Um, uh, he basically said, or one of the uh, reporters said, Cyril Gann's been tweeting at you um, wanting the next fight. And Tom just kind of laughed and went, you know, he didn't want the, fi- didn't want the fight when I was in Paris. Uh, he said, I don't think so. I think he might need to face Jelton Al- uh, Almeida first. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair, because then his next opponent would be Volkov. If we're talking about who's current and available unless he's going to unless steep a wants to i uh, know that that that's also out the window i would imagine too because both let's i guess we could take both john and Stipe, uh off the um the board as far as uh usable uh pieces right yeah well, it depends what happens with john and Stipe. like is that fight even going to happen still like i know they still want it but like i mean that's if true. that fight there's, there's like literally almost nothing for Aspinall as a legitimate title defense until that situation gets sorted out. In fact, in the, in, no, in the post-fight pressure, he said he'll sit out and he'll wait for them to figure it out. So he's willing to wait for Jones versus Stipe if it happens. No, I don't think he'll wait that long. Uh, he said it in the press conference. Well, six months is different in a year, I guess, right? I don't know. I'm just saying. I, like, I'm just going off of what he said. Oh no, no, no! Like, what? Like, the div- division is literally just restructuring itself right now. Any any given new, uh, you know, update on John's injury, on top of the uh, availability of Steep A, changes the trajectory of this division, right? Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. There's no legitimate contenders right now, so that's you true. Think there's I mean, well, no legit heavyweight contenders. Not, not that deserve a title shot. It yeah. would have been, it would have been Pavlovich, and that's no, now at the window. <laughs> well, yeah, he just lost like Cyril Gan, like he just lost. Like, I mean, I guess if Jones is the champ, that fight was just ugly, and I think he's only won one fight since then. I'm taking Stipe out of the equation. Uh, Blades just recently lost. Uh, I mean, I guess you could maybe Volkov. But that's just weird because, you know, it, it well, wasn't terrible. What do you do? Ago. Well, what would you do instead then? Like, if it's not Volkov, you'd have to look at Gone because otherwise you're looking down the list, right? You could do Almeida. Like, he's on such a long winning streak. I think that's fine. And I think it's really, I, I don't see why Tom would rematch Volkov after a year and a half. That seems really strange. Like, unless he's, there are people. Like, there's still people who, who he's never fought, so I don't think there's any reason for him to rematch Volkov at this point. Oh, would you, well, you could do a Gon versus Volkov rematch for the contendership. Makes oh, a, yeah. That's a, yeah, the, the only other thing you could do, because if Aspinall's not willing to, wanting to wait, you know, see what happens in the division, you can have... Um, you know, Volkov fight gone for the uh, number one contender status since Pavlovich is out of the picture. Blades and Almeida are looking to get rebooked 
to fight since that fight and uh, was scrapped uh, due to injury, I think, right? And Almeida wasn't impressive in his last fight. So for removing just some of the pieces off the board, that's going to be the only other thing if Tom is willing to wait. Well, I think Tom waits for Jones and uh, Stipe. I mean, he's got the money. He said he did. And if, if for some reason, if they need a headliner or for some reason, if he can't wait, then I think they'll do him versus Almeida. It makes no sense, but it's a uh, kind of a garbage fight that they could throw together real quick. They did something like that with Daniel Cormier and uh, Derek Lewis. Like, mm-hmm. no one deserves Like, he's the most deserving contender, and he's like, doesn't deserve it because he doesn't even have like a really good win. But besides Volkov, maybe, but he lost like a year and a half ago or whatever to uh, Tom. You really yeah, just, I mean, we've got an interim champion, so it's hard to have a number one contender when we already have an official number one contender with the interim champ. Like, Steve and Jones are fucking shit up. we got to get that sorted. Yeah. Uh, well, we do have the... Uh, we will have a British UFC next year, and it's going to be later than our usual March date, apparently. Um, I heard on uh, Fight Disciples. So that might be a possible for when Tom next fights, if he wants to put his interim title at risk. Uh, so I guess if he, wanted, if, if he did end up wanting to fight Gan or the USC pushes it hard enough for him to fight Gan, I dare say he'd rather fight him in London than fight him in Paris. And there'd be a possibility of um, getting Leon Edwards on the card as well. Uh, the other alternative, I'm not sure if I didn't hear Tom say he wouldn't mind being on UFC 300. That would be good, probably. Like, now that you say it, I guess I could see Gan getting a title shot just because, like, he did lose recently, but he wouldn't, like, it would be against Astronaut defending the Aaron Bell, and it wouldn't be against Jones. And uh, they've certainly done title shots coming off of a one fight win streak, so that wouldn't be the craziest thing. Yeah, I was kind of expecting Gone versus Tom ahead of time because it's like the whole like Britain versus France thing or whatever, which I feel like is a thing. It is, yeah. Only a friendly rivalry most of the time. Yeah, even if it doesn't make sense, it seems like the UFC tends to lean into stuff. Like, if they have an opportunity, they'll or any excuse to make a match like that, they'll do it. Like, how, like Cheeto is going to fight Sean O'Malley, even though it makes no sense, um, like, contender-wise, but they're doing it anyway. So it seems like they'll just do the one they want to do the most rather than who the top contender is. Very good. Um, so... Let's let's say for sake of argument that the Jones and uh, Stipe fight happens. Um, whichever one wins, they both retire. Uh, Tom still has the interim belt, becomes champion. Um, how likely do you think it is that he could beat Stipe's three title defense record? Could he could he become, could he become the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time? Hmm. Um. <laughs> I think he can. I mean, he's the most capable, plus he's the younger guy who has a belt. I mean, hell, it wouldn't be too far out of the question for him to actually get three to four title defenses in there in the uh, 
in the age that we are currently in. I mean, he has a win over Volkov. He now has a win over Sergei Pavlovich. It wouldn't be impossible to see it. Uh, he may have to do a couple of rematches in there, but that's not you know too hard to take care of. But even then, you're kind of stuck with availability and namesake. Plus, he has been injured before. Wouldn't it be crazy for him to be injured again? Um, he could do the Stipe thing where he just fights who's ever available, takes on all comers, and has no issues defending the title multiple times. But we know how this sport is. You know, yeah, why wouldn't he to, do that? Like that sounds I mean, like right up Tom's alley. Like, yeah, why wouldn't he do I that? mean, he's good <laughs> enough. He's good enough to do it. But my thing is that there's other forces at play, like injury, you know, contract disputes, and you know, possibly you know, issues with um, availability. I mean, they literally went out of their way to book another title fight after Ngannou had just defended three months prior. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know about the whole availability thing. Uh, I, I think not only is it possible, it's inevitable that he will, as long as his knees and his body hold up. Like, he has kind of a bouncy style of, a, like, a lighter weight class fighter that gets brought up a lot. And uh, that could be hard on the body as a heavyweight. But I, I think as long as his, like, knees and hips and shit hold up, it, it, it's inevitable that he will get at least three title defenses. Like, easy peasy. I think it feels like he will. Like, just right now, it's like, oh, yeah, of course he will. But I think the thing is, is that it's heavyweight. So it's like you never know what's going to happen at heavyweight. Like, maybe he just gets KO'd and plus all this injuries and stuff that you guys mentioned. But it does seem like he's good enough for it to happen. Like, I would think it's going to happen, but pending it being heavyweight. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I'm talking specifically about the Tom Aspinall that fought last night. Like, if he falls off or gets lazy or some shit happens, I'm like, the Tom Aspinall that fought last night, I think, could get tons of title defenses if he maintained that level of performance. But that might not even be possible. I mean, that was almost Alvarez. Uh, well, I, yeah, I used the Eddie Alvarez Connor with the uh, yeah. strike. Like, it was almost like that in like a near flawless victory. Like, he just looked nearly perfect. And he was injured as well, don't forget. He had a back injury mm. at the time when he was called up. I did not know that. Oh, did you not hear that? Yeah. Yeah. So are you suggesting that back injury Tom Aspinall looked better than ever is possibly a new mythical fighter? Oh, and we should hope God. that he has back injury going into every fight? I don't think so. It's mm. <laughs> like that. Dave. Dave trying Slightly. to create another mythical fighter here. <laughs> yeah. Drop down in flames. Sorry, Dave. Uh, I think that's enough on uh, that one. Um, so let's go on to the actual main event. Yuri Fahaska versus Alex Pereira. Um, Alex Pereira defeats Yuri Fahaska by a second round KO at, at four minutes and eight seconds. Um, so what do we think of the fight as a general? Um, uh, let me think about like the context of this title fight. Cause it was just kind of like a merry-go-round for a minute, wasn't it? Like, you know, Glover had the title, took it off of, <laughs> um, you know, Jan Blackowitz and then loses it to Jerry. Jerry is injured, has to give up the title. 
And then sure enough, you know, Jamal, like, no, um, Jan Blaskowitz versus uh, Ankalaev. No, Ankalaev. Ankalaev first, right? And then that ends in a draw, which then they immediately give the title opportunity to uh, a fight between Glover Teixeira on short notice against Jamal Hill, uh, who was originally supposed to fight Anthony uh, Smith. Then that fight leads to Jamal Hill kind of giving a one-sided performance against, um, you know, Glover. You know, Glover retires. Jamal Hill's the current champion, who then tears his Achilles in in a basketball game. <laughs> in a company basketball game. And uh, then relinquishes the title as well. You know, another vacant title. Um, I hope to God that we are done with this mayor go around and we get some goddamn <laughs> consistency. <laughs> First off, that's just on the division. And then, um, then the second thing I would say is, God damn it. I, this fight did not live up to the expectation that I was hoping it would. I mean, those late kicks from Alex were deadly, but it seemed like he wasn't sure about what else to do. He seemed hesitant on the feet. You know, what almost seemed almost seemed like he was willing to hold back his punches. And um, Jury seemingly to struggle with, oh God, someone throw late kicks. I don't know what to do. I'm going to just kind of loop in and think of uh, a crazy counter and uh, he's going to have to accept that, which it almost fucking worked. And, you know, have you not seen uh, these guys fight before? I know. It's just, I forget how stupid this sport is sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, it, it, it was more, it was more disappointing to kind of think about what could have been the fight and the fight result that we got. It kind of seemed lackluster, but, we still got a, you know, definitive champion, you know, even if the result wasn't ideal. But again, again, this is light heavyweight. This is par for the course for their division. So, you know, so be it. I don't know who you put him up against next, though. I mean, good for Alex, but goddamn, this is this. I don't think this helps. <laughs> Len, any thoughts? Um, not particularly. I like that Alex won, but I kind of agree with what Austin was saying uh, that the fight wasn't as like cool as it could have been. And it didn't quite feel as awesome when Alex was, when Alex won as I expected it to, but I do like the storyline. I think that's, I think that's about it. Dave. Well, I think those two were nuts. Um, I think that fight went (laughs) just about exactly how I predicted (laughs) <laughs> and I thought it was thrilling. It was exciting, exciting, not lackluster at all. Like, I mean, that's kind of like how Jerry fights. He throws like crazy shit and uh, like he does wild shit. And Alex doesn't typically use a lot of volume. I mean, he'll use his leg kicks like that. I mean, I don't know. I I read, I thought it was really fun to watch. Um, you know, in round one right away, like the very first leg kick, like uh, Jerry fell down and kicked his leg out, and then uh, the second leg kick, like he made a like a face at Alex, like yeah, that one hurt. And it's kind of crazy, uh, <laughs> like Luke and uh, like some of the other analysts talk about, he doesn't really turn his hips, uh, and it's just kind of crazy how he throws. Who that doesn't? Leg kick, like, oh, Alex doesn't. When he yeah, hurts. he doesn't really turn his hips when he throws his leg kicks. Yeah, like so, it's almost um, like a naked strike, right? There's nothing else yeah. to it. Okay. 
And so they don't really seem like they'd be that powerful. But I mean, like the f very first one took him off his feet. And, uh, you know, so obviously they're very strong. Uh, DC said that uh, he actually had Alex kick him with one. And Alex didn't even really throw it that hard. And it like hurt really bad. So, you know, I thought that was kind of fun to see Alex use that. Um, Yuri fought like his usual self. I thought he had some really sneaky kind of combos. Like his first one, he went for like almost like a takedown. And then he went for like an uppercut when uh, Alex kind of dipped down and caught him with it a little bit. And uh, he had a lot of unusual uh, setups, but I think uh, after Alex got up in the first round and uh, like the last 20 seconds, uh, Yuri kind of realized that he might be, he was like kind of outmatched. I thought like he didn't look that confident coming out in the second round. Uh, at first he started like using a really jab heavy game. Like the first couple minutes, like, all he's doing is like pumping a jab out there to like keep Alex away. And then it's like, eventually it seems like he's resigned to defeat after he's, uh, ate a bunch of heavy leg kicks and he's like, all right, I'm just going to get wild. I'm going to go in there and it's going to be killer or be killed. Like, I know he normally kind of fights like that, but he was, you know, he, he really decided like, all right, this isn't going well. I'm just going to go for it. And, uh, you know, it, I enjoyed it. It was cool to see. He got caught with the left hook. Like, he came in wild. Uh, he did land some good shots. But that's just kind of how he fights. And, uh, you know, I predicted that it would go like that. It was the left hook again from Alex. Was, yeah. Uh, you know, the stoppage. At first, I thought the stoppage was maybe kind of suspect yeah. a little bit. But then uh, I watched the replay a whole bunch of times. And... Uh, when he's dropping the elbows, like on one of them, his arms like visibly go limp and he like his body kind of collapses. You can see it for a few frames. So like that's not like a instantaneously go out and come back. Like he's out for maybe a that second was, or that was you a know, a little bit of time. Kind of and uh I think the ref has to stop it looking at the rules, but mm -hmm. of course by the rules, I'm not sure if the refs even follow them. Like, I think if the ref suspects a concussion, they're, like, supposed to stop it. And, like, that shit never, ever happens. So, I don't know. But the way he collapsed, I'm okay with the stoppage. I thought it was a hell of a fight. Uh, I enjoyed watching their techniques play out. I I kind of saw a story in the fight that played out. Like, the you know, the two warriors. And then one of them kind of was, like, resigned to defeat. And then he just decided to go fuck it and go all in. And, you know, I don't know. And it wasn't it was enough. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. I, I rate that fight uh, nine out of ten. I I have one extra thought about the fight, um, which was that Alex in round one got taken down, and it was like, oh no, is this like how the fight's gonna go? He's gonna get taken down and laid on, which we see happen a lot with people who don't know how to deal with grappling, but he actually got up before the round ended. And I was thinking that his training with Glover must, or I don't know, maybe it's not Glover specifically, but whatever he's been doing for grappling has like, he's actually improved as an MMA fighter. He's not just a striker um, because there's like actual MMA fighters who can't get up off the ground. Like once they're down, they're down. And he, he a kickboxer. Sorry? Uh, I was saying Derek Lewis for one. Yeah. I was I was picturing um Kevin Holland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kevin yeah, Holland has been an MMA fighter for a long a lot longer than Alex Pereira is, so that was the one thing I was 
thought was really cool. Yeah, I actually wasn't that worried about that. Like, I mean, uh, he had him down and he held him down for a while, but like, was it Jan? Uh, yeah, Jan he had him do down. Any, he didn't do any fought. damage, really, did he? He landed a couple of elbows from the top, and that was about it. Alex yeah, he landed out. like four or five strikes, and uh, like Alex has been there before. Been there before. Like Jan held him mm. down in round one, or I forgot what round it was, but you know he came back. Did he get up? In that round, yeah, he, I, he I had, forgot about found, that. Yeah, he had found his way up in that okay. fight as well. And that was the thing, too. Like, looking at Jury, Jury almost, like, was, like, almost doing the takedown pretty much because he didn't have another option to change like the fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, the fight tempo was going in Alex's favor. The rhythm pretty much was going for Alex's kicks. So Jury's like, well, shit, if I can't, like, give him a fear... I can't, I can't actually find an opening. So he takes him down, struggles pretty much because Alex is not a small guy and Alex actually knows how to defend somewhat well, albeit he has to kind of wait, kind of like Derek Lewis and, okay, well, this is my opportunity. I'm going to get up now. <laughs> but even then, it's like Jerry could have probably done more of that just to wear and tear on Alex as best as he could. If he stayed in the clinch, he probably has a better time controlling Alex, maybe controlling the tempo of the fight, but because Jerry's a madman, he decided to use his awkward angles, which almost worked uh, at a certain extent, um, but he forgot that Alex hits really hard um, at close <laughs> distance. So, I, I mean, it was a, Dave's right. Uh, it was a great fight for what it was. I wish we could have seen something slightly more um, offensively potent from Alex, but this is this is fine. Again, I think for me the rule is if um, if we're looking at the finish sequence, if the fighter can't to intelligently defend himself, I think that's the point. But even then, it's like it's a it's a discretionary uh, term because the ref has to decide in that moment: Am I going to watch this man go unconscious, or am I going to stop the fight before then? And yeah, you know, it's up to the ref. You know, it's that's it's not mm -hmm. ideal. I would prefer to see Alex, you know. Maybe land one more punch, one second more action. But even then, it wasn't going to get better from him. And even then, we're looking at, okay, well, are we okay with what we're watching after that? You know, like, are we looking at a Luke Rockhold versus Chris Weidmanson? Right? Yeah. Well, that would but, take a while yeah. to get to that. But <laughs> that's true. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I know, I know. But like, even then, I, I, that's all. But uh, just, ideally, we have definitive answers now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It just sucks. It's like so hard to be a ref because there's no takes backs and there's like we've seen no. fighters come back from shit like that and win. But yep. like they probably shouldn't have been allowed to, like many of those. Yeah. Things. Like, yeah. Again, it's it's discretionary. You know, it it's hard to judge in the moment, like you said. And there's it's you're basically asking the ref within a fraction of a second make the call. Right? And sometimes it's the answer you get isn't always the answer you want. And, or even you can answer, some people can't answer, like Steve Mazzagatti. <laughs> but, you know, that's a different story. It's a case of better safe than sorry on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I think, on the most part, anyway, Goddard is a very good referee. Um, so, yeah, he's one of the better ones. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's, he's honestly, it's him. Um, oh, God damn it. Jason Herb. Herzog. 
Thank you, Jason Herzog. Herb Dean. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Or, yeah, maybe not oh, Herb Dean anymore. Okay, but that's it's a good yeah. ah, One it's, Herb it's Dean a... is a good raft. The Herb Dean that works for one is a good raft. Mm. Herb Dean that works that. for UFC is hot take. <laughs> right? That's that's it's really weird, but it's like actually, it's a thing. Yeah, actually, I think you know, Keith we could Peterson have... too. Yeah, Keith, nonsense, no nonsense, Keith Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> I would have, I would have probably preferred Dan in the main event and really? Mark in the co-main, mainly because there was going to be a definitive answer with the heavyweights, and because who in the main event? Because uh, Dan Dan Mergliata was the ref in the uh, mm-hmm. co-main for Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Spivak, and mm-hmm. um, you know Dan likes to. You know, let people die in the cage. <laughs> yeah, I think that might have. I mean, I, it probably would have not helped, but still, you know, maybe there's a different outcome. Who knows? <laughs> so, what's next for the pair of them? I guess. No, oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyone have any thoughts? Alex, it's probably Jamal Hill. Like, yep. Very logical. I, I'm not thrilled about that fight, but I think that's just probably going to be the way it is. And uh, I, for Alex, I, I kind of actually like the Anthony Smith fight too. But that shit's like, do you, do you guys know about their beef? No. No. Yeah, their well, beef. I know. Yeah, he he had been saying something like, "I hope he calls me out" or something like that. Yeah, Anthony Smith's been calling for the fight. Wait. So what's the beef though? Um. I don't know. I think maybe Anthony wasn't like sold on his skills or he thought he'd beat him or something along those lines. Oh, you mean a typical Anthony Smith response? Yes. <laughs> this fight pretty be good because I haven't fought them. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, for jury, give him uh, Johnny Walker. That could be I love a it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, two mm. crazy people in the ring. Okay. <laughs> isn't, he supposed to be, isn't he supposed to be fighting Ankoliath in a rematch? Considering what happened in Abu Dhabi. Not fucking Ankoliath. I hope Ankoliath no. has a best of four series. With oh, Jerry Walker. Like, him off too. He's going to like go in the mountains. And so he'll be <laughs> after the Ankoliath fight. Him and Walker. No, this is what I would do. Put him against Ankoliath. Jerry and Ankoliath. Uh, Jerry can... Probably beat Ankoliath, and if he beats Ankoliath, we don't have to worry about Ankoliath. <laughs> right. I like the way you think. Right. Well, that's the other thing too. Is like if we're looking at the division, the division's still a mess. When, how long ago did Jamal Hill get injured? Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a. Oh. It's a miracle someone won this fight, and there is a champion. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's typical, but even then, we're. We're asking this chaotic, trash, you know, dumpster fire of a division to give us some clarity, and now we barely have clarity, and we're probably going to have to wait another six months for another title fight that's going to make sense, and ideally, Jamal Hill has to be healthy enough to take that fight. Then we're looking at a contendership with the only guy who's on an active win streak in the top five being possibly, you know, in a no contest and possibly fighting in Kalaif. So, <laughs> um, God. This is when you this is when you need another light heavyweight outside of the organization to come in and just, you know, shake things up. Yeah. 
Is is a suggestion for you then uh, for that one, kind of uh, humorously? But I did hear it as a take. Uh, Cyril Gann could probably make light heavyweight. You think so? No. Uh, <laughs> I I would have to check the. I was listening to a, a podcast or a video the other day. Guy very heavily into his stats on MMA. Uh, I think I did post a couple on the Discord. Um, and I think he said it was about 14% of his uh, body mass that Cyril would need to lose. Which, how much of that is water? I think that's probably, you know, given that Alex used to cut down from 225 ish down to 185. I don't know, man. He's, maybe like JDS cutting on the light heavyweight, I think. Like, he's got a big frame, he's thick. He last weighed in two. What was it? Two forty-seven pounds. I'd like to see it, but if he could, and then honestly, you'd need to no, see I mean, him. No, Cyril's not even about that life, though. He ain't about to start cutting thirty-five pounds. <laughs> like that's I, very true. I don't think he can. I he a, a I'm suspicious runner. of this idea. Is uh, Vadim Nemkov available? Uh maybe. Depends what happens with Bellator. UFC, uh, possible, uh, you know, he has a history with uh, Jerry Perhaska as well. But honestly, yeah, no, honestly, the Walker fight is probably the one you'd go to. It's just a shame that he came off of a no contest. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's Ankle Iab's fault, man. No, agreed, agreed. Ankle Iab shouldn't even get another shot. He should, like, isn't he always fucking around with some shit? No, it's because of that, um, draw that he had with um yan uh a while back and even then i thought yan won that fight but it was close you know yan was i thought won the first three closely and and Kaliev decided to you know only wrestle in the last two rounds <laughs> but in the meantime i think jamal hill is the only answer realistically that makes sense and i don't favor I don't favor Alex in that fight first, but this is where we're at. You you don't favor Alex in that fight? No, because Jamal Hill has a better boxing game. Um, he doesn't oh. he doesn't do well with um he doesn't do well with uh kicks. So like Jury, he'll probably have to adjust on the fly because the minute Jamal Hill gets leg kicked, he doesn't really yeah, what respond if, what if he gets, to it. What if Alex kicks him right in his Achilles? See then, then that's um, it's not cheating. It's uh, is he is he a better <laughs> boxer or does he have like longer combos? Like, no, I think he has a better accuracy rating as far as like, as for volume. I think he doesn't land clean, but when he does, it matters. And same with Alex; he doesn't throw, but Alex doesn't throw often, so he has a a more accurate like game plan. I'm just looking at the way he fought Glover and the way he fought um recently in his last couple fights where he's just kind of like he lands on you and it hurt same thing with alex alex puts you out but even then alex alex needs uh needs space jamal hill doesn't give you a whole lot of space to work when he's in your face that's kind of alex doesn't really need space i mean like jerry was all up in his face when caught that left jerry literally walked into it that's the difference he, yeah. he's like in his like midsection where he's like trying to come into the gap that's like between him and, and it, that uh, reach that he has. You're, he literally leapt in with that hook 
and just clipped him. What I'm talking about is that space where Jury is kind of like landing awkwardly and Alex doesn't know how to respond. Like that gap in the striking uh, differential, that offense that Jamal Hill can generate, that's going to give Alex some problems. But I want, again... I want, I want someone to jump on topology and uh, check the uh, Austin's uh, stat figures there. I am I'll saying be, this out of my What is the stat? Let's so. <laughs> uh, see whether... Uh, Alex is less accurate than Jamal Hill. Oh. No, 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 no. Like, for volume. Like, the uh, strikes, like, um, like, ac- yeah, I'd say accuracy, yeah. Uh, yeah that's what I'm saying. Accu- are we talking accuracy or? I want to say volume is what oh, I was kind of thinking of because, no. like, the amount of strikes that he throws versus the amount well, that's landed. you say he was a better boxer. I think he's a better boxer. I think Alex is the yeah. better kickboxer, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not saying all that's not saying too much two, ti- two titles in cage warriors would yeah, suggest I would say, that yeah I would, say, <laughs> I would say yeah glory kickboxing yes <laughs> oh yeah yeah I'm mixing my uh, organizations no because no, like uh the con the context is alex seems to struggle with guys that can land and land on a consistency and when he has a lot of space, he tends to kind of give that space uh, a little too much respect for guys who can kind of close that gap. Whereas against Jury, Jury was kind of like um, looking for awkward angles and didn't respond well to the leg kick. So I'm thinking the leg kicks is going to open up Alex's offense when he fights Jamal Hill because Jamal Hill never really responded to a lot of leg kicking games. So if as long as Alex kind of rides the outside, leg kicks and then forces Jamal to at least address them, he has a chance at winning. But I, I, I don't know. There's something about Jamal's game plan that doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence in Alex's game. That's all. <laughs> That's all. I, I don't know. I'm probably overthinking it. And again, we're doing the MMA math thing. so <laughs> That always works. <laughs> As we've so, clearly seen. <laughs> yeah, every time. The stats, I don't know how much I care about these stats, but Alex has a higher striking accuracy and higher strikes absorbed per minute and lower strikes landed per minute but and a higher striking defense. So hmm. it's kind of a mix, I don't know. Well, you were, no, right, on, you were right on volume, Austin, just not accuracy. Okay. Yeah, Pereira's... Okay. Yeah. Lower volume, but more accuracy and a bit better at defense. Though it's given that the, accuracy the... involves uh, Alex's left hook, I'm quite impressed. Yeah, with that. <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's hard to make much of those stats, though, given the level of their opponent. E- like... e- oh, that's all. Yeah, I really don't like looking at the stats mostly. I'd rather just go on how they fight. But Do, it is does, does, uh, well, does that also kind of mean that the stats don't help considering what we saw with Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill? I mean, yes, it was Jamal, like Glover Teixeira's last fight. So does that mean anything? Uh, I don't know what you mean. I don't basically, know because mean, that was his last, that's his last performance. Jamal's last performance before he got injured. The stats of that particular fight. Well, no, I'm lo- I'm looking at that fight. Like, is that kind of a a bad matchup for Glover, considering how well he did against Glover and how well 
Glover did against Jury kind of thing. That's me kind of doing mm-hmm. the MMA math on it. Because we, if he comes back, he has to face somebody who's A, taller than him, which he's done oh. before. B, he is, who's more of a decorated striker than him. And C, you know, is also a, a two-time champion. You know, Glover was a champion at one point, but I, I don't know that you're. It, Alex has the better resume as far as names, but you know, Jamal, Jamal is the younger guy. He could probably take a hit as well, and um, he's probably going to be coming off a little bit more aggressive uh, because of his time off. So that may that may actually work in you know Pereira's favor. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to do MMA math. So as I'm saying, it's like. Uh... When we're looking at like the strikes absorbed per minute and stuff like that, like uh, Alex has got 30 minutes in there against Izzy Asanya, whereas, you know, uh, what's his face? Jamal Hill. Got, Jamal Hill's got time in there against Glover, where it's like it's not the same level of opponents. So they're going to absorb different amounts of strikes, uh, land different amounts of strikes. Yeah. Like that dad is just kind of. Yeah numbers i agree i wasn't trying to like match them up based on those numbers i was just saying those numbers are kind of yeah 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 shall we move on to the next one then jessica yeah jessica andrage versus Mackenzie dern uh wins by a second round tko do you want to take this lem because i know you're interested in (laughs) yeah uh, I don't know if I have any, like, specific thoughts, but I was just, I loved this fight. Uh, most, I don't know, there aren't very many women in MMA who interest me, but I thought it was an interesting matchup with, like, how much did Mackenzie Dern improve versus, like, Jessica Andrade kind of being better than everyone except, like, some of the champions most of the time, except she's on she was on a three fight losing streak and people thought she was like past it, but it was kind of theoretically a good matchup for Andrage and a test to see if she was like completely washed or not. And I also thought the fight, the fight itself was really exciting. Like, I don't know if I was, you know, just stressing too much, but I thought that Mackenzie Dern got some good offense off. So I was like, excited the whole time and then i was just really excited when andrage won and it's it could be my favorite woman's mma fight unless i'm forgetting something i thought it was a really cool fight i think that's about all i have to say about it joanna versus whaley that one didn't do it for me because (laughs) i know that everyone loves it and but it's like they're I don't know. <laughs> okay, it was, it was just kind of a throwaway question. We don't have to go into that. <laughs> it's um, just that they didn't. I don't know. They, it didn't seem like a risk of someone being knocked out, and I feel like that's why I'm excited by Andrage because there's a risk of them being knocked out. That's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I, I know uh, Austin. I think was the only one of us uh, on the preview show that picked Andrage. So, do you want to jump in? Yeah, no. So it wasn't that I was confident in it either. I, I'll be honest. Like I, I was, I was definitely shaky on it. Um, I think I was more afraid of Andrade making bad decisions, whereas, you know, 
Mackenzie Dern, I didn't have confidence that she was the better fighter. I just kind of figured Andrade may give her opportunities to probably get finished, make a mistake, go to the ground. And it almost happened in the first like exchange that they had. She almost immediately tried to get her back because, you know, she got tossed, you know? Yeah. And right off the bat, I'm thinking to myself, oh, there, there, yep, that sounds about right. That, you know, I figured that Andrade would probably give her something to kind of work with. And get to Andrade's credit, you know, her championship uh, savviness, um, she managed to find a way up, compose herself. I didn't like the uh, consistency that. Dern would get with a one-two combination, a basic one-two, and even then maybe a hook at the end of it, because she Dern left her chin out more more than I've I was expecting to see, and that was insane to me considering who she was fucking fighting. Um, and on top of it, Dern was never known as a great striker, so her willingness to want to strike with someone as dangerous as Andrade, even given the fact that Andrade was coming off of, you know, three finishes uh, against her. Yep. It was just kind of mind-boggling to me that that was the direction. And again, when Dern tried to close the distance, it's almost like her only her only weapon was to use a hip toss and a terrible attempt at closing the distance because she was still getting clipped on the inside, you know, over the shoulder hooks or, you know, hooks underneath. Um, body shots occasionally that were, you know, it wasn't so much the issue. It was more like the fact that she just left openings and forgot, oh, yeah, I'm fighting someone who could probably knock me out on the feet. I should probably not engage in this kind of a fight. But <laughs> instead, she looks for the hip tosses and, you know, got dropped multiple times, got hurt multiple times. If I'm in, I'm, if I'm in her corner, I'm telling her to just keep doing the basic one-twos and the outside leg kicks because those seem to be working as stupid as it was. But again, Andrade managed to get her clean. That there was no controversy in the stoppage either. I mean, she basically rolled over, tried to play guard, but it was too late. Like you literally had no defense. Like your hands were above your head. You were literally like teetering on your shoulders and head against the fence. Like there's no, you were done. I don't know what to do with Andrade after this, but you know, it shows that Mackenzie Dern still has a lot of learning to do. Yeah. Dave, anything? Um, I actually thought this was a really good fight. Um, I was dead wrong on this one when I picked it. I thought that uh, Andrade would get smashed. Um, kind of like what Austin said, like when the fight first started and uh, Mackenzie had like that uh, hip toss, uh, I was like, oh, here we go. And then I ended up being, you know, obviously the fight didn't go like that, so I was wrong. Um, I don't think uh, Andrade was actually in much trouble from that uh, throw. She kind of landed on her stomach and was already pushing her way up, so it wasn't a big deal. Uh, commentary was really harsh on Andrade or on uh, Durden striking the whole time or her striking defense, but also they were complimentary at sometimes, and I kind of saw both of that. Like Austin was saying, she landed a lot of good one twos. She landed like several good combos and uh like right before she got finished in the second round like she crashed Andrade hard and rocked her for a second like she's got some talent but uh obviously not defensively sound at all um dc had a good point he said something uh he said that mckenzie gets lost when the exchanges get long and wild like when they were just kind of like at ranch and 
you know, exchanging pitter patter like she was doing good. Like Austin also said, the one two and the leg kicks. But when uh, they got into like a five strike, uh, five or six strike combo exchange, uh, she just wouldn't know what to do with her head, and she'd kind of panic and shit. And uh, so obviously that cost her big. Um, I don't know. I think she's got some fucked up shit going on in her camp. Like uh, I know RBCA closed. Uh, I don't know if Dean Thomas knows anything, but he said. Uh, Dern should fire whoever told her to get rid of Jason Perillo as her striking coach. So I don't know if she ended up. Uh, well, everybody was saying she looked much better against uh, Angela Hill last time, weren't they? So I think she did pretty yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, I think she actually knocked down Angela. I mean, well, her striking at times didn't look that bad. I mean, it looked crisp, it looked accurate at times, efficient. But then she would just like, she said, get oh. lost and not be defensively sound, keep her chin up and. Uh, when Andrade should come in close, she just didn't have nothing. And either, either way, it was a fun fight. I was dead wrong. Uh, it was really good to see Andrade get a win. Uh, she needed it in a really bad way. Um, That's true. This might be crazy, but I could almost see that being my fight of the night. I mean, they <laughs> should give me some uh, help with the... Uh, well, like, they're both still paying on their divorces. Like, how the fuck expensive is a divorce? <laughs> like, let's help these girls out. Like, fuck, I was, man. I was honestly expecting Anik to kind of say something. I was surprised that nothing came up. I'm really happy for Andrade. She really impressed me. Yeah, uh, she, she was very measured, um, making Dern get up whenever she was uh, knocked down. Thought that was yeah, like like she didn't. Oh yeah, take a step back yeah, and wave your hands. Just get up. We're not we're not going to the floor. I'm not playing yeah. that game with you. That was cool. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. So so many times, fighters that are strikers, they'll just like jump down and fucking like waste time and. Yeah, because like it's an it's an it's an thing. Like you think you hurt the person, therefore, if you jump on them, you shorten the opportunity for them to continue, which is almost a glue trap. Because now you've given them the opportunity because if they put their hands up, it's a defense. It's harder to hit them. They're also on the ground. There's not a whole lot of room to generate power. You're, you're wasting energy because you're on top of them trying to keep mount or position. And it pretty much turns into quicksand. And that person who's on the ground, who may be better than you on the ground, now has the ability to recover if they are able to um, keep you occupied. So she's, you know, it, savviness, savviness, right? It must be instinct or something, because we see it when they do it and they shouldn't. Their coaches see it. Like, we hear coaches yelling at their fighters, get up all the time. So, like, I don't know. It must be kind of instinct where you're boxing one and you just want to, like, your brain just tells you to fall onto the ground for some reason. Going for the kill. I feel like you'd gain an instinct, though, with certain people. Like, my instinct would be, like, stay away from the ground with people like Mackenzie Dern. Or, like, if you were facing Damian Maya, you'd be like, Oh God, the ground! And that I feel like that would be my instinct <laughs> would be to stay away from them on the ground. Yeah, like most didn't jump on Oliveira or Oliveira until yeah. uh, Islam like, did. But, yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. He had a free. He bought himself the free ten count. That was like smart move. Oh, Mackenzie actually did that too. Um, in this fight, like there was one where she she basically got a full ten count because the ref <laughs> didn't make her stand up, which also because 
I don't know. I feel like that played into the stoppage where she got hit hard a bunch and she like got free 10 counts. And then by the time the fight was stopped, it made sense because she had been hurt so much. Well, well, here's a little nonsense for you from old Keith Peterson. He didn't actually stop the fight. Andrade stopped the fight. <laughs> really? I didn't notice Yeah, that. Andrade knocked her down for the last time. And she's just like, I'm done. She turned around and kind of shrugged at the ref. At Peterson. <laughs> No, yeah, like that's what I mean. She turned around, like, shrugged and walked out, like, I'm done. And then he stopped it. <laughs> well, you saw she fell, too, because she literally turtled over like a kid, you know, like, you know, upside down against the fence. Yeah. Like, I'm still fighting. No. No, and Joss is like, no, you're not. You're, you're done. <laughs> yeah. Like, she, like, and Raj stopped the fight. She's like, walk away. <laughs> Good stoppage. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very impressive. Really great and heartwarming to see Andraj get a win after three losses and knowing her story and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And a a new record for women's MMA. Four four knockdowns in the same round. Ooh. First time ever for a female fight. That will be a quiz question. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully I'll remember that one. I think I might remember that one. <laughs> All right, let's jump on to the next one then, I guess. Uh, Benoit Saint-Denis versus Matt Pro- the Steamroller Frivola. Um, <laughs> ben- Benoit Saint-Denis defeats Matt Frivola via first-round KO, one, one minute 31. Um, I, I, I watched this one. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, unlike the um, Andrade fight, I'm the only one with a winner in this one because Dave and uh, Austin both picked uh, Matt Frivola. Um, so I'll take the win there. Um, I, I actually thought, uh, I'm just going to say BSD because it's easier. I'd messed up a little bit when he pulled guard and then he very nicely got out of it, turned, they ended up standing again. Then Matt just picked him up and slammed him, which was pretty impressive. Um, and then we, we did that little extended, uh, I've said extended, obviously, it only lasted. Uh, 90 seconds, but uh, that little extended uh, bit of uh, uh, punching and uh, whatnot. And uh, then Matt Favola was obviously feeling the pressure and just kind of started running backwards. And uh, it was uh, funny, funny in the chat because uh, this was uh, when Cole Hughes uh, finally lost a fight as well. Um, and it was calling out hours of the flute, the toe to the temple, which is a perfectly arranged kick by uh, 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 Sandini. Um, I thought it was a great performance. I knew this was going to be one of the fights of the night. Just wish it had lasted a little, little bit longer. Um, it was the veterans' fight. Um, so, yeah, I was really impressed with this one. Uh, I wonder if Benoit might be the first French champ, maybe somewhere down the line, rather than Cyril Gann. Bold, sir. Bold. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I like I like Sandini, you know, unlike Gan. Yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> so, anybody else any thoughts on that one? Uh, I thought it was a good fight. Um, I was dead wrong on this one too. Like in the past, I thought uh, Benoit was like a wild striker with power, but he wasn't defensively sound and just kind of fought crazy and spastic and stuff, and wasn't that good. Um, the beginning of this fight it, uh, was kind of going like how I thought, except 
Uh, Benoit did look a little bit sharper and better than I thought he would. He looked like a kind of complete, somewhat defensively sound fighter that wasn't too reckless or none of that shit. Uh, but I thought Favola looked all right, too. They were both having some moments and shit. And then uh, just when they're getting up and Favola's backing away, and, I mean, that head kick was just perfect. Like, I mean, I, I guess someone might have said it was the toes to the temple. To me, it almost looked like the... Uh, Behind the toes area. I don't know what the top of your foot is called in between the ankle and the toes. Does anyone know what the top of your foot's called there? Is that not the bridge? Or am I thinking something else? I'm not a doctor. I can so. see it being a bridge because it's on the I top. Don't think it, isn't the bridge the bottom? I don't know. Or maybe hmm. it is the bridge. Who knows? Well, the, the, board, like, the part underneath your shoelaces, I thought that was the part that hit him. No, but, no, it mm. no, it was nowhere near as far back as that, I don't think. Uh, I might have to dodge on you for this later. Um, <laughs> I watched it several times. The finish, it, it was such a lovely head kick. Like, he was backing up. It was a lead, lead leg kick. And he just, like, snapped it up there and just, like, caught him right there. And, uh, like, Favola kind of saw it. His hands came up, but then, like, they didn't go high enough and came back down. Like, maybe it was too fast or he couldn't judge where it was going or something. But, man, it was uh, nice. Um let me let me say this then. Uh, I picked for Vola. I was wrong. I was not sure Benoit Saint Denis could be as clean of a fighter as he was. He kind of kept his composure throughout the entirety of that context, as short as it was. But he kind of likes that. He likes it being not chaotic, but you know, all a little like fast paced he doesn't really slow down he's just in your face and he didn't give matt any time to kind of flush out a game plan he matt literally was getting clipped i think at not you know hurt but he was getting hurt you know, a couple shots on you know on him did the one thing you're not supposed to do against a guy who's taller and longer than you you know ride the fence backwards with your hands down because that dude literally doesn't have to worry about distance at that point. You're giving him an angle, and that's what Matt Frivola should have never done. He just allowed Benoit to throw up that kick and not even be able to respond quick enough. Because he, like you said, Dave, he had his hands up, and his guard, he had no idea where it was going. You know, it was a perfect kick. Good for him. Uh, I don't know what to do with him next, but I, I'm excited to see his next fight regardless. Yeah, well, actually, he's uh, that's his fifth consecutive UFC finish. Um, the only other people above that were Pavlovich, who obviously his streak is now ended, and Shavkat. So um, those are two uh, impressive fighters to be on those kind of streaks. Uh, what do you think of his call-outs at the end? Because he called out Gaethje for the BMF belt, which there's no chance that's going to happen. Yeah. That was a waste of a call out. <laughs> yeah, probably. He's looking for that short list, you know, trying to trying to call out the names, which is fine. I think if you're just trying to get a call out because you don't want to actually call out anybody. Uh, I don't think I've ever known Saint Denis to go out of his way to call out a specific fighter. And if you're going to call out someone, I think Gaethje's fun. But still, I think it was oh, just getting... Dumb, dude. He's like, Matt Favola, what was he ranked? Like 15? Like... 14. Yeah. Just reasonable. You're not fighting Gatesy. He's like on the cusp of a title shot. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Fun call out, but 
It's not going to happen. Yeah. It was just a silly thing. I think that was, that was the point. Is that I don't think he wanted to call anyone specifically. So if you're going to call somebody out, obviously, I don't think special fight. forces are silly. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not what I've had either, Dave. But yeah. I think he should fight Moicano. Just saying. Moicano. Moicano. Money Moicano. Okay. Did you move farther from your mic or something? I went to the bathroom. Oh. And I might have sat different, so it might be closer. I don't know. Okay. You sound more harder to hear. Or I'm losing no, it. He's I don't know. Trying to hide his uh, opinions because he doesn't want to be wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> what about Bobby Green? That's fair. Uh, Bobby Bobby Green Bobby Green's fighting Dan Hooker. Um oh, damn, that's right. that's yeah. true, yeah. The loser of that fight, maybe. Oh yeah, because it that'll be perfect timing. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Why not the winner? Yeah, can you fight either? Yeah, he just beat the number fourteen guy. Like, you beat the number fourteen guy, you don't get to fight the winner. Of isn't Dan? Isn't Dan and Green like, like towards the bottom at the same? They're time? nine and twelve, so I don't think that's that crazy. They could fight either of them probably. The winner is going to want to move up. That's fair. They're, they're yeah. big names too. They're kind of like they're kind of both. That's huge true. Like, but th- those are fan favorites, so they'll get to fight up if they want to. Thirteen then. Well, also, it's like remember, it's Nate Diaz's house, so remember to keep him in the mix when you're talking about Hooker and uh, Bobby Green. Moicano is thirteen. Jalen Turner is eleven. I'd like to see Jalen Drew Dober at fifteen, but obviously that's. A lower, that's a drop now. Jalen Turner, I'd be interested to see that fight. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes you have to fight backwards, like. Yeah. yeah. You don't always get to fight up. Yeah. If only someone Not... had told Cyril got that. <laughs> yeah, the, he's a guy to keep I... an eye on, and he's he's made an impression on me now. I wasn't sure about him before. I am I am actually willing to see him fight on a regular basis now, and want to see if he actually cracks into the top 10. Uh, the same for me, but I'm still kind of sus of his overall skill, but that kick was exceptional, and I'm, I am like I want to see him fight now. But, He's only been doing MMA for six years. He has got a history of judo and kickboxing in the past, but actual MMA, only, only six yeah. years. Yeah. He's a black belt at judo. Well, from the age of 16, he was a black belt at judo, which is no slouch. So, okay then. I think ideally he'll win one more fight, and then yeah. get a fight with someone like Fazeev. If Fazeev moves down the rankings, no, we can't do that to him yet. <laughs> do that to who? Fazeev or uh, um, you know? Fair. I doubted him before. I don't know if I can. <laughs> <laughs> I can see him being a real problem in lightweight. All right, then, uh, let's go on to Diego Lopez versus Pat Sabatini, which was actually my first loss of the card. Um, uh, I did consider switching it at the last minute. I had a feeling uh, that Lopez might get it done, and he indeed did. A uh, very nice first-round KO. Uh, I don't have much to say on this fight because it just lasted such a short time. In fact, it lasted such a short time that when I was originally watching the broadcast... I was looking looking for something else, and uh, I missed the entire fight, so I didn't actually get to see that one until this morning. Uh, so, any thoughts on it, Dave Austin? 
I'll go. I thought I thought it was a uh, fun fight. Um, you know, I thought like Pat Sabatini had his moments too. I liked how he was kind of switching stance and stuff. Uh, you know, I was dead wrong though on that one too. Like, uh, what's the name? Lopez. Lopez. Yeah, Diego. Yeah, man. He like he fucking uh, he looks kind of like a killer, man. Yeah. That's all I had. I just wanted to get mine out of the way because Austin might have like a bunch of good stuff. I don't have much, but it was a fun fight. Well, um, yeah, no, absolutely. It was fun for as short as it was. Uh, Pat came in to fight. He clipped him early, um, was confident trying to look for the takedown. But I think what ended up happening was Diego kind of shuffled him because we never even got to see the actual scrambles or, you know, the submission attempts from Diego Lopez, which I was actually kind of excited for because. Pat's kind of a, a hard-nosed wrestler, you know, a wrestle boxer. Um, unfortunately, what ended up happening, Pat literally gets clipped uh, as they're trying to transition out of like a guard position or just a clinch. And Lopez is so big that he kind of just wailed on him the minute that the smaller fighter just was kind of off balance, never let off the hook. Pat's have a ten. Uh, never, Pat never had a chance to actually defend himself from when that transition happened. And sure enough, like. You can't give guys who are good openings because they'll take them and run with it. And that's what exactly what happened here. Um, Diego's a, he's a big featherweight. He is a scary, scary featherweight. He is a dangerous featherweight. This is the kind of guy you want in the division that's kind of stagnating. And he's going to clear a path and possibly, you know, take a couple of ranked fighters with him. Um, I'm excited to see what he does next because this guy was not on anybody's real radar unless you were in the know. And even then you weren't like super, you know, you were, unless you actually worked with them or like knew of him and been, been watching him for years, there's no way you were going to think of this guy as a contender. And I think he may be one of those guys in waiting right now. I'm back, but I have no thoughts on this fight still. <laughs> what about his hair? Oh yeah, his hair looked less ridiculous than I thought. I kind of liked it. I, I thought it was more ridiculous than ever. Oh really? I, okay. It did flow a lot more, and the only thing I can think of was that stupid meme or that like gif or whatever, where it's like, "Tonight's the night that I will fall for you." <laughs> That's literally the only thing I could think of because it covers his face almost like an emo kid that listens to like you know a certain band. And you're like, that's you know what? Hey, good for that guy. <laughs> he knows what he likes. <laughs> I don't know, man. It was like it reminded me of like a second grader on picture day for school. Like the front of it was all nice and fancy. But it's oh, weird because it looks like a Lego front. Like it's kind of real it's very unusual. And then just with the mullet and I don't know, man. It was it was trimmed very nice and uh you know, he's meticulous with it, but very clean. I'll say that, yeah. It's a very clean cut. <laughs> but, like, more, three out of ten, two, two out of ten on uh, overall hair scale. I think okay. he, he might have reminded me of, like, an anime half-animal person. Oh, I think I know who he reminds me of. This is not relevant to the podcast, but I'll link it later. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, I think the judging of his hair is about as judge uh, as good as the judging of uh, Brian Minner or Miner or however you pronounce his name. Uh, to, to paraphrase Chael Sonnen, Brian Miner, you absolutely suck. Uh, just, 
horrible decisions all throughout the uh, night, more or less. Um, I know the uh, Godinez, uh, Tabitha Ritchie one, I think Luke reviewed this one as well um, this evening. And uh, there is some credit for on that one. It might be uh, swingable on that one. But he failed to score the 10-8 in the Sadikov versus uh, Bukowski's fight. Every other judge scored it a 10-8. He scored round one for Dern in their fight, which none of the other judges did. Uh, just well, there was a knockdown at the end of the round, even. I but, thought it could have gone either way on the Dern with the knockdown, Andrush. even. Um, who? Wait, who got the knockdown at the end Andrush of the round? Andrade knocked uh, Dern down at uh, the end of the round. That's like when it all started going wrong for Dern. Okay, yeah, that's hard to score for Dern. I feel like I was thinking Dern was maybe winning up until that. What's weird is when I when I rewatched that fight and I thought it was like Dern did a little bit better and worse at the same time that I yeah like she landed some like didn't she land some clean yeah, like yeah, one yeah. twos that was the thing I was thinking yeah. Dern that's why we're going back to this it's fight <laughs> yeah no I didn't notice the judging too diff too too much uh, because I was more or less concerned with the how the fights were playing out. Um, is it just me, or was there not a fight that didn't, you know, at least entertain at some point? Like, they were all pretty consistent, above-par fights, right? Oh, yeah, we've, um, we've got the entire uh, prelim card to go through, uh, at least have a look at. They gave away two extra bonuses. Um, they normally give away four bonuses. They gave away six bonuses. Okay, so you're good. Awesome. There you go. Yeah. They do that when a card's really good, I've noticed. Yep. Once in a while, they. Do you want to know, or do you want to have it? <laughs> At some Sorry? point, I would like to know. Um, okay. fight of the night, or do you want me just to say it now, or wait till after we've discussed everything? Fight of the night, uh, Borshev versus Nazim Sadikov. Yeah, that was my uh, fight. Of the <laughs> okay, that's one I haven't watched yet. Um, performance of the night. Pereira, Aspinall, Andrade. Oh, I miscounted. Pereira, Aspinall, Andrade, uh, Saint Denis, and Diego Lopez. I think they, I think they oh, gave nice. away seven bonuses. So yeah, they that was an all-main card. Got a bon- all, they got a bonus, and then they gave uh, the fight of the night to Nazim Sadikov and Vyacheslav Borishev. Yep. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Love. Thanks to both of you. <laughs> Yeah, we can we can jump onto that fight if you want. Um, I know uh, Lem hasn't watched this one yet, but uh, that's the game you play when you come on the podcast. Um, <laughs> just uh, like you said, uh, it was my fight of the night as well, and it's amusing, of course, because it was a majority draw. But in some ways, that surely makes it a very good reason for it to be the fight of the night. If there's a lot of action mm-hmm. and you end up with a draw, that probably is the best fight of the night, nine times out of ten, I would say. Um, so, yeah, great great first round for Slava Claus. Um, then second round, he got wobbled by that uh, punch, a left hook. Um, then that was followed up by a head kick, sent him to the ground. Um, this is one of those where he probably should have let, let him up, you know, going back to uh, talking about Andrade. But... Uh, Nazim didn't want to. He wanted to get down on top of him. Uh, Ex-Sambo guy, from what I understand. 
Uh, did did manage to get into mount for the last minute or so, uh, but uh, it wasn't enough to finish uh, Borshev off. And then Borshev recovered and managed to take the third round. Um, so I think the obvious thing is a, is a rematch, which would probably be a very exciting fight. Uh, but yeah, fight of the night, easy easy pick. There. Hmm. I think I picked uh, Slava Kaz. Did I not? Yes, I did. I did. And I, Dave, did you pick Slava Kaz as well? I have no idea who I picked. All right. Well, it kind I of may shows... have picked him. Well, I mean, at this point, I think it's it. it yeah, well, it's a draw, so none of us. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But um, yeah. So for uh, me. This was my fight of the night purely because it shows what happens when you have the proper uh, like scoring applied. Like it should have been a ten nine for Slava Claus in the first, uh, a ten eight for Nazim Sedakov, and then another ten nine uh, for Vorshlav Borshev in the you know third. And honestly, he looked better in the third than he did in the first, considering how badly he was hurt. He even got a cut open up above his eyebrow in that second round after being dropped was, uh, not once but flush. was it no i thought it was an elbow oh i might i might be thinking of uh, a different a different fight sorry my apologies no you're good you're good yeah it, they did kind of you know they were it, I, I give credit to nazim he was hard-nosed he did not want to back down even when it was probably not in his best interest um he was a guy coming out of the Cerro longo gym and i think they i think someone said it on the discord um they were um, zero, two, and one on the night uh, for their fighters, which is not ideal. But I'll take a draw in this kind of a situation, and this is kind of a learning lesson for the young guy because you cannot try to play, you know, let's uh, you know the tough guy game. All right, go ahead, kick me. Go ahead, hit me. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to go down. He got hurt and wobbled once or twice, but he never got put on his ass. He never got you know, like nearly KO'd. But it doesn't matter if you're willing to take strikes because you're trying to show how tough you are. That is a recipe for disaster. And this is probably the best learning situation for him. It doesn't matter how, how close he was to finishing the fight. You have to be able to at least be savvy in there, not give away rounds and whatnot. So but for Borishev, it shows that, you know, hey, he's a tough guy. It's a great, you know, situation for him to kind of like, okay, he won the first and nearly got finished in the second, came back and won the third and arguably looked better in that round than throughout the fight. It, it's a great opportunity to kind of show, Hey, I'm still here. You know, I might not have the best record, but I'm, I want to be a contender in this division. Good for that guy. I don't think, you know? I don't think it's hurt either of them, either of the guy's reputation. That probably improved it. Yes, it was a great, I think fight. it does. Mm. Yep. Did Dave already drop in on this one? I can't remember now. I'm getting confused. Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, you guys covered it pretty well. Uh, it was a fun fight. Uh, what about Matthias Rebecca yeah. versus uh, Roosevelt Roberts? Because I know Roberts was one of your picks, wasn't he, Dave? Yeah, like originally I didn't pick him, but because uh, of the short notice thing and all that. And then when I saw him at the weigh ins, like he missed weight, but he looked like. A foot taller. I know that doesn't really matter. He's, but he looks like so much. Not, I'm not going to go bigger, but taller. And I figured to be able to use the strikes and keep him off. So last minute, I switched to uh, Roberts, and uh, that was dumb. Uh, interesting fight. Uh, Rebecca's really strong. Uh, 
I didn't learn a whole lot, but nice arm bar to finish it though. Yeah, I'm a Roberts fan. I hope they give him another chance, but they usually do. I mean, if you take short notice fights like the way that they like it, you know, you don't question it. You just show up, make you know, try at least a bare minute. They not a, not even if you miss weight, do they hold it against you more often than not, unless it ruins yeah, the card. It was on four days, like. I don't know, man. If you miss weight on four days, I, I ain't mad at it. I like, I got nothing to love for you. He, he tried. That's the thing is that yeah. he attempted, and that's not usually the case. And then in this case, it's also that this was a very difficult opponent, especially for Roberts, uh, considering that he faced a bowling ball of a man, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, that Volkov build, but at lightweight. Yeah, exactly. So good for you know, good for this guy. It, it'd be interesting to see him face better, highly qualified uh, grapplers. But this is lightweight. This is a Shark Tank of a division to begin with. So let's see what he got. Sixteen consecutive wins for Rebecca, which is pretty impressive. Um, so lightweight contender of the future, we reckon. Maybe, maybe we'll see. He has to face a better striker and a better grappler first. We've got we've got some hot. Uh, tips coming into the lightweight now. We've got uh, Benoit and and uh, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. A bit of life being injected into the uh, division. <laughs> well, didn't need we'll it, but we'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're, uh, let's quickly skip on to the next one. We won't spend too long on the undercard. Uh, Jared Corden defeats Marco Madsen via first round TKO. Uh, I don't think, well, we didn't discuss our picks on this one. Did anyone pick Madsen? I, I don't know if I did or not, I'll be honest. Um, I think I wanted Gordon to win, but I, I, don't, I honestly don't remember if I picked him or not. I'm going to look. I think you picked Gordon, at least in the Discord picks. Ah, interesting. Okay, cool, cool. Good for Gordon, man. I mean, <laughs> he, got, he got robbed against... Pimblet, and then he also got uh, a headbutt, you know, that we oh, argued yeah. <laughs> on here, I think at one point, but yeah, it was, um, you know, good for that guy. That guy's had a hard time as of late, and I, I was happy that he got the win, especially in the fashion that he did. I, I think this is his first finish since he's uh, debuted. Could be. I thought, I thought it was quite funny that... Uh... MMA Guru came out with this one and uh, said you had to be a moron to pick Mark Madsen, which, uh, <laughs> which, which, I, which I pointed out to Man in Black on the uh, Discord because he picked him. That's kind of a shit take from old Guru Boy there. <laughs> like, Madsen didn't look terrible. Hey, he's really, dropped, really right? strong. Uh, I, thought, I thought he was going to take the fight the way it was looking. He's been known to after the first first couple of situa- like uh, exchanges that he has because he's a uh, an older um i <laughs> he got there's a little uh, uppercut dc noticed it i don't think rogan uh, did at the time um and it did it didn't look that strong but it seemed to affect him quite badly and then uh, he ended up getting uh, it, the fight went back towards the cage and then he landed a few shots and a right hook from the clinch and that was what sent madison down and then he just obviously piled on top, and the ref, ref jumped in pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. No. I watched that sequence a few times, and what you're talking about is uh, he caught him with an uppercut, and like uh, Madsen's knees just barely buckled, but they visibly buckled yeah. a tiny bit. Yeah. And uh, 
so he was like rocked or some shit and like you know Madsen actually came in like as an old prospect but he was a good prospect uh olympian i think he won a silver medal or some shit like that uh That's yeah he had a bunch of boring decisions or something and then he lost but it was his first loss and you know i actually thought he he kind of fought more exciting than normal and he was kind of bringing it I thought he was fighting dangerous because he was eating shots, but they didn't really seem to be affecting him until, you know, that uppercut and then the whole fight at the end there. But, uh, you know, he actually did better than I thought he would do, and I thought that was actually a fun fight, and it was happy to see Jared Gordon get the win. Mm-hmm. He he lost to Grant Dawson, unless you... Did you mean that was his first loss? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. That was, that was the name I was trying to think of. Thank you. The guy that uh, King Green uh, sent to the Shadow Realm. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyone want to bring any of the other fights up particularly? Uh, Joshua Van versus Kevin Borjas. I know uh, Lem, Lem was watching that one, uh, I believe, before the show started. Yeah, it was. That one was... What did I... I think I took notes on that, but... Oh, yeah, I, I liked that fight because it was, like... Bor, I don't. Is it Borhas or is it like Borjas? It's probably Borhas, isn't it? Kevin Borhas. I don't know. Borhas. Um, yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's from Peru. I think. Um, yeah. I. He. I really liked his like kicks and stuff in round one. Like he had a lot of really fast and powerful kicks. Um, and then I had actually picked. Uh, like just i think just based on records joshua van and i was like oh he might just have more experience and then it kind of seemed like that in round two when he kind of switched it up and started doing like a ton of body shots and then that really worked and that was basically what won him the fight i think just like over and over with the body shots and then the record. it was like that. the record for body shots yeah, I think they said at the end of the fight he they, he didn't break the record. It was like close to it or something. Um but yeah, it was it was like 45 body shots officially or something like that. Um but I just thought they both looked really good and it was a fun fight. Like since I didn't watch the whole card, I was like, "Oh, that could have been fight of the night." But so <laughs> obviously the one you guys were talking about must have been like a real banger because i thought (laughs) yeah i'm planning to watch because it seems like this whole card is worth watching yeah for sure well i was gonna say like the yeah joshua van and uh kevin boras like that that fight was like they that's what you want to see flyweights guys who just kept yeah they're like they're great they didn't seem to back down didn't matter how many times they got hurt or what happened um Boras seemed to kind of backtrack a little bit more the minute he got hit to the more he often he got hit to the body, but mm-hmm. still, like yeah, he took a couple of good liver shots as well. Yeah, he's still trying to win, and that's the thing you want to see in young contenders, especially at flyweight. You know, it, it, it'd be interesting to see how their careers kind of pan out after this fight because I would like to see a rematch. Yeah, uh-huh. like they're they said they're twenty two and twenty five, and that was exciting to me because I was like, "Ooh, these guys are good at this age, and they still have time to grow. They could become exciting flyweights." Or about Castanada the, versus Kang. 
that one I was in the middle of watching. I don't know. I didn't find, <laughs> I didn't get to the result of the fight, but I also was liking that fight. Um, I wrote that Castaneda a couple times because he's a Southpaw, and there were a couple times where he switched to um, Orthodox, and then almost immediately Kang would just nail him with, with a jab. So it was like him switching to his off stance was not really helping him much. Um, oh yeah, also there was uh, one thing where uh, Castaneda had really nice balance when Kang went to take him down. Yeah. Um, and he like backed him up against the cage and then Kang like went to flying knee him. But I, I like rewound that a bunch and I was like, why didn't he just punch him? <laughs> why didn't he just punch him? <laughs> like both his arms were down. I was like, why would you flying knee? He was literally wide open. And I was like, maybe there's some reason he didn't. But as far as I can tell him, I was just like, just punch him. <laughs> it's right there. It's right there. <laughs> God. It was another good call by the uh, judges, though. It was 30-27 across all three cards. So. Oh, okay. Sorry, spoiler alert, Len. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know who it is yet, so I'll have to keep my That's eye true, for yeah. the 10-8 <laughs> the <ten>, round. <laughs> but yeah, that fight was fun. Yeah. It, what did Real quick, the Tabitha Ricci, uh, Lupe Godinez fight, did we have a very controversial take on that one? Because I felt like Godinez did enough to win that one. Well, on, the, on the first watch, I thought Tabitha Ricci won it. I thought it was a robbery. Second rewatch. Mm. That's weird. It seemed clear. It seemed clear Lupe Godinez for most, I think. I thought, I thought Ricci just kind of struggled to get consistency she did a lot more of the damage but she get she get clip occasionally and godinez was just consistent at least that's what i i took from it and i wasn't too mad at the decision um i thought she did enough to win the fight but again i it was close and i think that's the problem with this fight is that like tabitha kind of let godinez off the hook and if she did hurt her in the first two rounds it was towards the ends of the rounds where it wasn't enough. Yeah, she, you got, know. she clipped her twice, didn't she, at the end of the round and knocked her uh, down. Yep. Yeah, which is why I wondered if that judge had, uh, had a bad angle for seeing those knockdowns and thought they were more serious serious than they actually were. Yeah, that's that was my whole thing. Was like uh, That's why the whole controversy around the scoring was. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. But, you know. Well, I'll put it like this. Uh... 18 media members gave it to Loopy, and one gave it to Ricci, so... Was the one Jed Meshew? Oh, no, it was uh, <laughs> Dane Fox from Bloody Elbow. <laughs> Dane's usually pretty good at that, too. I don't know. Yeah. Well, he's out to lunch on this one. That's the, fair. The media's... I feel like you can't even necessarily trust the media scores. Like, some... I think there were... There was, like, a fight that me and Dave rewatched. And like the media still disagreed with us, but it was like I don't see. Oh, I think it was that um, Nurma Gomedov versus Jonathan Martinez fight. I think Martinez pretty clearly won that fight. It was just like a close fight that he clearly won. I thought, but a lot of media scored it against him. I think I scored. Yeah, it for I... Nurma Gomedov on that one too. Yeah, like I'm. I'm not, I don't think they're always right. I just think. Um... 
I think Austin might have a unique take on this particular fight. I think at least most of us in Discord. Yeah, it might be that it was clear for Loopy. Okay. Yeah, even the Norma Gamedov fight, I feel like I could. It wouldn't be crazy to score it for Norma Gamedov, but I didn't think it was like a whole robbery situation or something, which I think people were saying about that fight. Yeah, it wasn't a robbery. This was. This the I don't think this one was a robbery at bare minimum. I think it was close and competitive, but mm-hmm. um, uh, Gunidez did enough. So uh, again, I had to watch it twice. So, um, yeah, yeah, H- hard for judges to score it live when you feel like you need to rewatch it. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it definitely looked fairly close on some of the rounds. But I thought I thought Godinez, uh, snatched it. Yeah. Dave, do you have any thoughts on this card? I'm looking at the very first fight that Bazooka That's guy lost, and he's yeah. yeah I was just going to jump and onto he... that one. Oh, okay. No, no, it's all right. Go ahead. Well, I just was wondering if Dave had any Ray Longo hate he wanted to share based on this card. <laughs> There's going to be a Ray oh. Longer defender on this Discord. It's going to be me. <laughs> no, I don't have any Ray Longo hate. I mean, he's not what I would call great with the corner advice, and he may not be up with the current times, and he might not be into women's rights and that kind of thing. <laughs> but I didn't really see this fight except for the very end of it. Uh, I kind of. It's only lasted forty nine seconds. <laughs> yeah, I was distracted during most of the early card. Uh, I think I was look. I was looking on the Discord to see who you had picked on this one. That's why I missed the entire fight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that's this fight. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Ray Longo sucks, but I mean, Marab does fight for him. But I think that's more Marab than Ray Longo. I say Emma's was calling for a bonus on this one, but uh, he missed weight, didn't he, by about a pound? So that's fifty thousand oh. dollars for his pound of flesh. That's real. <laughs> that's real Merchant of Venice stuff. Yeah. Was it? Was he a re- late replacement, or did he just miss weight? I think he just missed weight. I'm not hundred percent sure. That sucks, though. You know, yeah. he he did he did look good oh, for he, as long he as he started the card off in a seriously a fun way. Yeah. For him, it just you know, it's, you know, got to make weight, man. Come on, <laughs> it's one job you got. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what weight was that for? I can't even. I don't have that on my notes. Uh, that was at um, 145 pounds. Okay. 147 pounds. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, of the extra weight, yeah. <laughs> kind of funny on that one. Was there anything else that you thought uh, we want to talk about, Mouse? Uh, just so I've got a couple more things we can quickly go over. Um, so I don't know exactly. Who, did, who got pay-per-view points on this card? I'm guessing Yuri did because he surrendered his title and came back in. I'm wondering who else got any pay-per-view points. Herrera, because he's a former champion. Former champions don't necessarily get points. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, he didn't have a title coming into this either, so mm. it would have 
it would have been based off a of name value and Pereira's now a name, I would imagine. And he's either getting a flat fee or the option of point of points, I'm imagining. Does um, New York release financial information? Um remember if it still does. I know New Jersey does, California does, and I believe um Atlanta did at one point. Utah Utah used to Boston. Yeah, I think they changed New or I mean New York because I'm pretty sure it used to release, but the last few pay-per-views there haven't released, I don't think. No. California it still does and so does New Jersey. Um because the UFC has decided to tell everybody it's not okay to release pay information. Yeah. Why do you think um like in my mind I think Anyone fighting for a title should get pay-per-view points. Obviously, the reason is because the UFC doesn't want to pay them, but like hypothetically, shouldn't they just all get pay-per-view points if they're like the draw of the card, even if they're like less of it, only yeah. half? Yeah, yeah. I think half of it is if uh, they they either split it, meaning it's either you get the option of the pay-per-view points or you mm-hmm. get a flat. Uh, so it's either you're getting the pay-per-view points with whatever your base pay is, or you're getting a flat fee in uh, the, uh, let's say they don't think the pay-per-view is going to go, you know, too well. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have a flat fee of whatever it is. So that way they don't have to worry about paying you the paper points afterwards. Oh. Yeah, DJ used to do that. He used to take a flat fee. Yeah. Yeah. Point. Hmm. yeah but he's always getting like 250, 350 around there uh, on a consistent basis. Because people, multiple people fighting. <laughs> he also Which, wasn't on a lot of pay-per-views. Like, didn't he headline fight nights as, like, for title fights? Because not necessarily pair him up with uh, champions uh, if they needed a third title or um, like UFC. If they did, it was because they wanted to kind of buff up the the um, viability of the title uh, mm-hmm. on a title to the pay-per. Because it doesn't hurt to have another pay-per-view, uh, or I'm sorry, having another title on the pay-per-view. It hurts if they don't have an availability for a title to be defended. So uh, okay. I think to get back to the question, I think contenders should get pay-per-view points. I think sometimes they do. Like uh, Colby claimed that he was offered points, but he took the flat fee. Oh, uh, Like um, obviously Connor is a contender. Obviously, he got pay-per-view oh, points. Yeah. Like I guess him every time. George got depending on the name, but normally they don't. I think if you're in a title fight, you should get points. Uh, yeah, and sometimes they do. I think it's just the uh, exception and not the rule. Yeah, well, oh, there be then. And if you're fighting for the title, your base pay should be at least five hundred, five hundred thousand. But they can afford to do that. They just choose not to because let's uh, let's face it. Okay. You know, starving fighters would <laughs> be more desperate than uh, non-starving fighters. Let's not go into the low case there this week. <laughs> Uh, it, it was the shortest card uh, that the UFC has had uh, since 2008. So that was quite impressive. As well, I know if it's impressive or not. Yeah, apparently so. Someone posted the data on Discord. Um, that might have been me, but it might have been shorter than the 2008 fight. I didn't do the math on how long this card was because I was saying that the um that card with like Jorge versus. Usman and Wei Li getting knocked out by Rose. That was the shortest fight since 2008. And then I was saying this card would have had to be somewhere in there, but it might have been shorter oh, than well. that card. I'm being misled by it, I guess. 
<laughs> I forgot to, to like look up or do the math on it, but it's somewhere as we speak. <laughs> yeah, it was shortcut anyway. We know that one. Yeah, it's somewhere. It's probably one of the five or six shortest main event total time fought lengths. <laughs> Great sentence composition. I know, I know Lem hasn't yes. seen the entire card, but uh, uh, the other, the, I know the rest of it. What, what would you rate the card overall, you know, out of 10? Uh, Dave, did you want to go first? I would rate the uh, card an 8 out of 10, maybe an 8.5. Uh, yeah, that's 8.5. Often. All right, so I have three different kind of scores. So, <laughs> so just, okay, so when the first uh, event was John and uh, Stipe, I was going to rate it like a five. I was not excited for it. I, just, I hated it, everything about this. So I still hate that John, Stipe, that, that whole thing, you know, that it, it has to exist. But neither here nor there. Uh, when it became Stipe was no longer going to fight because they never offered him the fight because they, you know, John got injured and they pushed uh, Pavlovich and Aspinall on there. That immediately jumped up to a seven for me. And then the fact that it was a co-main event and then they had Pereira and uh, Jury as the main event, that made it a 7.5. Um, I wish the main event was a little bit better than it was, but that still doesn't hurt the score because it ended up being like an 8.5 for me, solid. Like, there's no, like, it was a great card. Uh, It it could have been better if the main event, you know, had done slightly more uh, to get me more entertained. It was great. It was great overall. Nothing wrong with it, but um, you can't complain about what we got. And honestly, this was probably one of the better cards of the year. I was going to say that myself. Uh, what did you think, Lem? I know you've only seen the main card, but how would you rate the main card? Uh, a 10 out of 10. <laughs> I don't know. I might be too hyped. It. I liked it a lot. <laughs> Maybe at least a 9 out of 10. Yeah, don't worry. I, I'm rating it up there in the at least 9... 9.5, uh, maybe okay. even a 10. But I have a bias, of course, because Tom Aspinall became at England yeah. Britain's first uh, heavyweight champion. Uh, so that ranks it up for me. But it, <laughs> but it, it was. It, there were two, only two or three decisions, and none of those came on the main card. Uh, a really exciting night. And, you know, I was up all night watching it. I was never tired at all. Uh, I think if Tom had lost, you know, I was kind of expecting I might just trudge off to bed. I was still wide awake uh, at that time. Uh, so, yeah, thoroughly enjoyable card. Uh, fantastic job by uh, the UFC and Madison Square Garden. Uh, a quick detour from the UFC then uh, before we wrap things up. Uh, I know uh, myself and Dave watched it. I'm not sure about Austin or Lem, but uh, there was uh, Ben Knuckle MMA on, on Friday uh, with Roy Nelson uh, in the main event, I think it was. Um, some very bad, <laughs> some very bad KOs. I think there were at least four uh, fighters left on a stretcher. Uh, oh God! The, the promotion were kind of pushing it constantly as the most uh, violent spectacle in sports. Um, I, that- I, I laughingly, I laughingly <laughs> referred to it as like UFC one, but with less people wearing a gi and with more skill. Um, oh. <laughs> But it just seems to be pushing for that reputation that the UFC spent kind of months or even years trying to avoid, you know, that kind of human cockfighting uh, image. Uh, they seem to be 
grasping it firmly with both hands. So I don't know why anyone thought. Obviously, Roy Nelson lost a split decision, uh, which I don't know if that was a good or bad uh, decision. What do you think of the? What did you think of that one, uh, Dave? Um, I thought there was like one positive and a lot of negatives from the card. Uh, you know, I thought Roy Nelson won the fight, but it doesn't really matter. Um, the dude's, uh, God damn it, Alan Belcher's from that area, and you know he's all juicy. It's of course he was going to get the win. Um, earlier on the card was kind of gross with all the stretchers. Like, I mean. The ref stoppages were so late. Like a person would go out, and then they'd get like five or six shots with the ground and pound before the ref stopped in there. And like every single one of those was like a former UFC fighter against like some random asshole. And so like, you know, former very experienced fighters are out there like practically killing these guys. So I mean, I don't think I think something might change with that. I don't know. It's a bad look. But I will give it up to Randy Costa. He's a former UFC fighter. Uh, he had that famous candy bet with Adrian Yanez. Um, oh, he's not in the UFC anymore? No, he's not in the UFC anymore. And he's a good dude. Uh, he's like, uh, I think he's been in the live chat before. He's definitely been in the MMA fighting live chat before. Um, you know, I thought uh, he fought Hick Diaz and uh, Jason Knight. And I thought he was just going to get destroyed because Jason Knight's about it. And it turns out uh, Randy Costa, despite the good looks, he's like about it, about it more. And he went in there and he like fucked him up. Like Jason Knight is no joke. And like Randy Costa like went in there and beat the shit out of him. And uh, good performance from him. Uh, bad performance from Bare Knuckle MMA with the late stoppages and some of the matchmaking. Uh, that's all I got on that. Is is Gamebred FC different than BKFC? Yeah, it's a bare knuckle MMA. Oh, it's bare knuckle. It's MMA instead of boxing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, that's cool, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's kind of cool, except the matchmaking was the, really bad. The, the refing. <laughs> yeah, refing was very dodgy. Maz would also, you know, that only has itself to blame. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they can iterate and make it less sketchy. Was it BKFC that had someone die like two years ago or something? I think that they, have, they might have been 2015 or 17. Yeah. yeah Didn't someone was... die like a couple years, like not like pretty recently in an in something MMA related? Oh, uh, a boxer died recently, but um, a former BKFC fighter died in an MMA yeah, fight in uh, 2021. He got oh. a fight specifically, if I'm not mistaken, right, Dave? Uh, no, yeah, he, no, he did fight BKFC 20, and uh, he got knocked out, and then he uh, was in the hospital for several weeks and died. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I know. That's I remember. Seeing, I think it was a. Yeah, there's been a couple of things like that where it's they're not in the major promotions anymore, but they uh they try to still keep fighting. And you know, when you're not in the more top tier organizations, sometimes things slip through the cracks, medical examinations and whatnot. Yeah. Sometimes to 
too too much uh, to deal with sometimes. Quite probably. That was that was bittersweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're just about time to wrap things up there. Yeah. Okay, don't give me two secs. Well, that's it from Dave, Austin, Lem, and myself. We will definitely be back next week for a, re- a review of the fights from the Allen versus Craig card. Maybe we'll do a preview show. Uh, we'll have to see how things work out on that. So until next time, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Austin, Dave, and Lem. Bye. Eric. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Good night. Uh. Bye. <laughs> And now we're all going to sing Tommy Espinall, right? <laughs> we can do. Tommy Espinall. Tommy Espinall. Tommy Espinall. Espinall. You're all hopeless. My solo was much better. Yeah. Yeah. That was terrible. Huh. I couldn't catch the tune of the song. <laughs> you don't know the Tommy Espinel song? No. Is that a new song or is it like a soccer song? It was from when I was in uh, London. The, the fans were singing it in London. Mm, that's cool. I'll send you the link if you want. <laughs> the one that I recorded me singing over the top of. Uh, oh, I, chanting over the yeah, top I got... Of. Okay. I did listen to that <laughs> thing. Can we just say this real quick? Tommy Aspinall, Aspinall, Tommy Aspinall, na 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 na. Tommy Aspinall, Aspinall, Tommy Aspinall.